Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Man, it is good to be in the house of God with you. Listen, I I was reading about God's faithfulness the other day, and it was interesting, something that stood out to me. It, it, It said that He is faithful. And, and I've always read the scripture that he has new mercies every morning, right? We've always read that. You know the verse, every, his mercies are new every morning. But right before that and right after that, talk about his faithfulness. And God spoke to me and said, my faithfulness is attached to my mercy. That, that I'm faithful because I always extend mercy. I'm faithful because when you need it, you get mercy. I'm faithful because you always find mercy. And I just want to encourage somebody today that you're wondering, hey, God, how I, I, I've messed up or I, I need something. God is faithful to give you mercy every day. Every day. Come on. Who's think, who is thankful for the thousand chance? Come on. I'm so grateful for the thousand chance. God is good. And look at about four people and tell them that you matter. And I'm glad you're here as you find your seat. Come on, you matter. You matter to God. You matter to the person you're sitting next to. I was going to make you stand up until you found somebody that had your same birthday month, but I decided not to do it. Maybe we'll do that next week. It is uh, good to be with you. We have water baptisms today. Come on, somebody. It's going to be an amazing day. Got a, a bunch of amazing people getting ready to take a step of faith in water baptism today. We're going to do that at the end, and I'm going to preach to you real quick out of the book of Galatians. We're going to be in Galatians part three. Uh, book of Galatians part three. And I just, I think that um, God's going to speak to some of you today just about your faith and encourage you and, and build you up today. I want to see uh, you encouraged and strengthened in your faith. It's good that we grow and are strengthened in our faith. Come on. The kingdom currency is faith. That's how, that's the currency of God. Believing faith, not, not how much you can do, not how much Bible you memorize. It is believing God. It says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we want to hear the word of God. I believe God's going to speak to you today. And I just want to encourage you. Uh, God speaking to you has a lot to do with the positioning of your heart. Okay, I, I, I'll say that it doesn't matter how good I preach. It matters how good you hear God. Come on. And so, so I, I want you to position your heart and position your faith to receive something from God today um, out of the book of Galatians. Uh, we have an amazing night tonight. We have team night tonight. And so uh, come on, team night. Yes, it's going to be a good night. And uh, we've got prizes and fun and food. We've got a walking taco bar I heard tonight. Um, that's, is that, is that is it walking tacos? I don't know what that means, but uh, we're, I'm going to be there for, I'm all there. And, uh, and so if, you're, if you aren't on team yet, or if you are on team, uh, man, come tonight and find out a little bit about who we are. And uh, we have a wide open uh, serve culture. So we'd love you to come and, and be a part of the team tonight and just learn a little bit about who we are and get to celebrate that with us. Uh, Galatians, Paul is writing to uh, the churches in Galatia. And he has written, and it's two years now uh, since he preached the gospel to them, and they were saved. Uh, They had all types of miracles that happened in their life. And uh, Paul is noticing that they're walking away from the grace message. They're walking away uh, from just believing God to actually trying to uh, do good deeds to to fit in with God. They're they're trying to do all that they can do to please God. And Paul says, I can't believe that you've turned away from grace so quickly. And, and so what Paul is saying in, Gal- in the book of Galatia, Galatians is that, that we would be free and we'd be all the way free. 
that you and I would experience freedom. And that's part of my goal in teaching the book of Galatians is that you would have a happier Christian existence and be free in your life. That you could enjoy Jesus, that you could actually enjoy your walk with God. Paul defends in chapter one and two, Paul defends his personal um, salvation. He defends his message of the gospel. Um, people were trying to discredit his message. And by doing so, they were trying to discredit him first and then discredit his message. And so Paul defends his apostleship. He says, listen, the message I got wasn't third hand, wasn't second hand. I got it right from God, right from Jesus. I hung out and the message that you get, the gospel that you carry in your heart better be right from God. It, it, you didn't, you're, you don't, you're not saved because your grandmama, you're not saved because your mom and dad brought, brought you to church. You're not saved because you show up here. You're not just going to heaven because this is where you come on Sunday. Like your relationship with God better be that you fell on the rock of Christ Jesus and you realized you couldn't build your life and you decided that God would build your life for you. Paul says, I met with Jesus and he's the one that I got the good news from. I'm so thankful for good news, man, that my, my great, can I tell you my greatest fears are true about myself? And that's why some of you, your greatest fears about yourself, you do everything in your life you do to defend yourself against yourself that you know your greatest fear is true. So you put up a facade, you put up all types of things around you, you deny stuff, you have anger, you have, you have pain, you have things in your life because you just haven't come to the truth that your greatest fear is true. And that's the point of the gospel, that we get to fall on the rock of Christ Jesus and be broken to pieces so he can put our life back together. God, my fears are true. I don't measure up. I'm not worthy. I can't cut it. But you did. And so Paul says that that's where I got my gospel was right from Jesus. And so then in, in chapter three, he goes into um, some, some subjective arguments from his own experience. And then he gives some objective arguments about scripture. And he takes us into some scripture from the Old Testament. And we're going to pick up in one. I'm going to read one through five and uh, then look at some of the subjective arguments Paul makes about his own personal experience. And then he goes into some objective arguments. and We'll look at those as well. Uh, chapter three, verse one. Oh, Paul starts out. He comes out swinging. He, he said, first line of chapter three, oh, foolish Galatians. One, one, one translation says, oh, idiots of Galatia. <laughs> Man, Jesus just never offends anybody. The, the, we're just supposed to make everybody happy and we shouldn't say anything to be offensive to anybody. I mean, come on. I mean, the church has gotten muted and silent. Make sure we don't ruffle anybody's feathers and everybody's going to feel comfortable around us. Make everybody feel good about their, anything they're living in in any way that they're living. Everybody just sitting in my notes. <laughs> oh, oh, foolish Galatians. I mean, I just think the Bible says that the, the gospel is offensive. It talks about the offense. The scriptures talks about the offense of the gospel. If nobody's offended at your life, you're probably not living the gospel. I don't know. I, I mean, that's not my goal to offend everybody, but the gospel itself is offensive. I read it this morning. It's a, it's a, it's a smell and aroma of life to those that are being saved. And it's a stench of death. That's why you see so much more anger against the gospel and so much more divide. It's going to be more and more divided. I'm just trying to prepare you. Like if you carry the true gospel, there's going to be more of a divide. It's going to be more. You will carry a stench of death to those that are perishing, but, a, but an aroma of victory in life to those that are being saved. It's the gospel. It's the Bible. 
I'm in chapter one. <laughs> oh, foolish Galatians. Oh, idiots of Galatia. They, they weren't fools. They were just, Paul was saying, you're acting foolish. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Have you begun in the spirit and now you're being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, Paul didn't believe it was in vain. Have you suffered so many things indeed? Have you experienced so many things indeed in vain? Verse five, therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you works and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Does God work in your life by the works of the law and by your pedigree and by your resume or by the hearing of faith? My title for today is, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for your word today. Let it change us. Help it to change me. Lord, thank you that your word doesn't return void. And so, Lord, help us to enjoy you and let your word abide in us and us abide in you and that we would be uh, all that you've called us to be so you would get glory in Jesus' name. Amen? What were you thinking? Come on, I'm a parent. Uh, I've got three children and uh, I'm a human, so I've had these own moments in my life. Anybody had any what were you thinking moments? Come on, what? Were you thinking, any, any parents in here that have ever looked at their kids and said, what were you thinking? Come on, anybody at all? Just one of those moments you can't even imagine. How did this, were, were you thinking? I know you can think. What were you thinking? I, uh, I've had a lot of those moments in my own life. In marriage, had some of those moments. What was I thinking moments? My wife's never said that verbally, but uh, she's given me a look like that. What in the heck were you thinking? Um, I'll put some pictures on the screen for you. Here's about seven what were you thinking moments um, that you can relate to. What were they thinking? Yeah. You can go to the next one. Installed on the ceiling. Supposed to be the date. I thought that was funny. It's a bad church. That's a bad sign. Recycled baby store. It's not good. Come on, dude. What are you thinking? Open the umbrella up. This is one of my favorites right here. What were you thinking? What were you thinking? I know you can think. You thought to tie it down. But what were you thinking? What were you thinking? I don't know how this, somebody, listen, that last one, I don't, I don't know how somebody even needed to put that sign out. Whoever, whoever caused that sign was thinking, I don't know what they were thinking. You know, they dove in somehow and just thought, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? And, I, and, and Paul's talking about, you know, to the Galatians, what were you thinking? And here's the thing. He wasn't saying they didn't have the capacity to think. He was saying that they weren't using their ability to perceive. 
that they had been taught the gospel, they had learned the gospel, but they weren't using the gospel. They weren't using it in their, in their behavior. They were actually um, trying to do something other than the gospel. So Paul says, listen, you dear idiots of Galatia, like what were you thinking? You're not mentally deficient, but, but why are you being so foolish? Why are you not perceiving that this isn't how salvation came? You're not using the gospel. Then he says this, who bewitched you? This is the only time that term's used in the Bible. And, and it literally means who, who put a spell on you? Paul's being culturally sarcastic here. Um, this was a term in this day and age, and he's being relevant but sarcastic. They believed there was an evil eye. The Greeks believed there was something called the evil eye that could put a spell on you. And so Paul's literally saying, who, who put a spell on you? Who snake charmed you? Who tricked you? Who put some Jedi stuff in your mind to think that you could actually be good enough or do good enough to deserve God's favor and help and... and who, who, who tricked you to think that now that you got saved by faith, that you can actually be hypnotized into thinking that your own efforts can do anything for you and you not rely on God and his grace. Paul is flabbergasted. Who, who bewitched you? Who put a spell on you? He's flabbergasted that they thought they could start by grace and be completed by works. I'm not saying that, that we don't do works but they were trusting in their works to be right with God. What Paul is saying is Jesus is your answer. It's going to be, it's going to be a simple gospel today. Jesus is your hope. Jesus is your answer. Jesus is the, the, the solution. Jesus is the, he is everything. Everything that's happening on the planet. He is the answer. He's your answer. If you're in prayer, if you're in need, the Bible says it is finished. It's done. I I love it. In the Old Testament, there was the priest that would go and minister to God. If you know the Old Testament and there was a tabernacle and they would minister day and night, making sacrifices and washing them and making making the lampstand have oil and and lighting that up and taking care of the bread and nonstop day and night. That was their job. They had jobs in the tabernacle. So it was a church and nonstop, 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 serving God nonstop and doing everything that they could do. There was one piece of furniture that was missing in the tabernacle. There, was, there were no chairs. There was not one, one chair in the tabernacle because God's priests of the day were never allowed to sit down. They never sat. They constantly strived and constantly worked and constantly made sacrifices and constantly. What I love about Jesus is it says, he says, it's finished. And then he went and he sat down where? At the right hand of God. Amen. That there's literally a chair seated by God. So, so my point for me and for you is that literally one of the best gifts of redemption is rest. One of the best gifts of knowing Jesus and walking in grace is that you actually get to rest, that Jesus finished it and it's over. You can sit down and rest in grace. He says, who's bewitched you? Verse one, he goes, listen, who's, who bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus was clearly betrayed? Paul says, I, I literally has a, a connotation of, I put a billboard out in the whole city for you to see the gospel. Paul says, it was, Jesus Christ was clearly crucified and portrayed. That was my whole goal. Paul says, my whole life's goal was to show Jesus and him crucified in front of you. It has the connotation portrayed of billboards across town, of posters across the town. Paul's saying, how did you miss it? How did you not see and see Christ crucified and portrayed all across the city? And that's our heart as Christians, as a church, as, as, as a pastor. My job is just to show you Christ and him crucified. That's everything. 
Everything's in that. All of it encompasses that. It was enough. It was plenty. Like what he did was plenty. Have you ever seen those God billboards around town and in different cities? Kind of funny sometimes. There was one billboard that used to bug me. I drive by it all the time. You know, it's like a little pithy statement on the billboard. Then it would say, God. And there was one that I, get, I would get angry at. Because it, would, it, was, it was where many people live when they walk with God in their walk with God. And it would say this. It said, it said don't make me come down there. God. I would drive by that and get so upset. I'm like, that is not the Bible. That is not the gospel. That is not, don't make, but many of you live there like you think, oh, okay, I let God down and he's gonna come down here. Okay, I let him down and, 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 and I'm in trouble and he's gonna come. I let him down and oh, I messed up and, and he's gonna show. Can I tell you, you were never holding God up. You can't let him down. He, he never had to, to consult with you to keep him up there. Like you, like, and, 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 and the second news flashes, he already did come down. He came down in a young man named Jesus. He came down in a, in a, in a manger in a nasty place. He came down. Perfect holiness came and put himself in unholiness to show us that holy things can live amongst unholy people. And God got inside of our life and he came down and Paul's saying, man, I portrayed it to you like a billboard. Don't, don't begin to trust in something else. Uh, newsflash, Jesus is everything. He goes on and he asks six questions. He asks these questions of him. Number one, first question, verse two, did you receive the Holy Spirit by works of the law or hearing of faith? He's saying, go back and remember what it was like when you first heard the gospel and when your heart began to beat in your seat there and when you, when you, when you got tears in your eyes and you began to realize that you couldn't pay for your sins and you couldn't pay for your life and the Holy Spirit began to do something inside of you and you began to crumble to your knees. How, how, well, go back and remember what it was like when you first got on fire and got saved by Jesus. What was happening in you? It's an embarrassing question. He's like, how did that happen? Did that happen by your good works? Did that happen because you prayed enough or you did enough or you, no, 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 your heart leaped and you came alive. Paul says, remember that. Remember how you received the Holy Spirit? It's an insulting question Paul's asking them. Hey, how did you receive the Spirit? By works of the law or by believing? Here's why it's so important for me and for you. Because however you start your relationship with Jesus is how you maintain it. And so if your relationship started in joy and life and grace and freedom, that's how we maintain it, by being obsessed over Jesus. But if it starts through law and through works and thinking he's coming down and that you don't measure up or you're not worthy, then you constantly are looking over your shoulder for God to come down in some punitive way. Does that make sense? And so I want to maintain my relationship with Jesus through grace. Anybody ever been one of those relationships that started off amazing and then all of a sudden it just, it got, it got weird? And the other person, like, you're all in and it's fine, but they're like, you don't love me and you don't like me and you never call me and you don't answer my texts and you're like out to eat with them and they're like, you never hang out with me. I'm like, we're hanging out. Anybody ever had one of those relationships? Why don't you call me anymore? Because you're stalking me and it's over. Like, <laughs> scary. A, a lot of us go into our relationship with God that way. It's like we, we, we get saved and we get the spirit and we're in love and it's so amazing and we're ourselves and God loves us. And we know it. And then we start getting into it. We're like, man, I, do you love me, God? And I don't ever hear from you. And, and, and I don't even know if you like me. And God, uh, I don't even know if you're listening to me. And God, God, I don't, I don't know. God's like, I love you and I'm listening and I'm going to never leave you nor forsake you. And no matter what you can do, you can't get too far away. And my grace is sufficient for your weakness. And, and, I, and, and I'm there for you. And you don't, you don't, I'm, I'm, no, no, I'll say all the right things, God. No, you won't because you're a human. 
I'll say all the right things because my word is life and spirit. Just listen to what I say. I'll do all the right things, God. No, you won't. You'll mess up tonight. I did all the right things in Jesus. Man, I'm just, and so Paul is, is asking these questions. How, how are you going to maintain this relationship with God? I want to I maintain it through love. I want to come back to him in love and grace. Verse three, he says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit. Come on, listen, we, we all do this. Having begun in the spirit, are you being made whole or mature, being made perfect by the flesh? Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you being made mature in the flesh? And, and here, here's what you have to know. Like we have these Christian buzzwords. I got to grow. I got to grow. We're going to grow. Are you growing? Are you growing? Are you growing? We got to grow. We got to grow. Are you growing? Are you growing? Are you growing? If you, if you were at the gym and everybody was asking you, are you growing? Are you growing? You got to grow. Like, just shut up. Leave me alone. Have you, ever seen, have you ever seen a tree or a plant stress out over growing? Ah, I'm going to grow. Like we've turned this Christian thing of growing and maturing into something and we equate it to doing. And Paul's kind of saying, that's not the case. That's not how you grow. That's actually weird to always try to force yourself to grow. I keep my kids grow. I fed them. I kept them healthy. I kept a good environment around them. A lot of you growing just has to do with you abiding and staying in Jesus. You being obsessed over Jesus. You being obsessed with, with what he says. So I just, if you want to grow and, and you want to grow healthily, then I would say you just obsess over Jesus. Stop obsessing over your habits and your patterns and your behaviors and how many verses you memorize and how I start obsessing over what he says, over what he's done. If you want to grow, look to him, stay in him. John 16 says, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Come on. What's a vine do? A vine goes out in drought. It goes out in the ground when it can't find water. It goes out and it finds water. The vine finds nutrients. The vine finds sap and, and takes all. I'll say it this way. The vine takes the crap and turns it to sap. Fertilizer and crap and manure and all the things in our lives sometimes. All the things of drought and dryness sometimes. I need water. I need refreshing. The vine, which is Jesus, goes out and begins to take all of those things and brings them back and creates nutrients to feed your life. Your, your only job is to stay in the vine. That's what Paul's saying. If you want to mature, just obsess over Jesus more. It's less about you and more about him. Verse four, he says, have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, suffered means experienced. He's saying, have you experienced so much in vain? Have you experienced the goodness of God? Have you experienced the glory of God? Have you experienced the, the steps of water baptism today because God tugged on your heart? Have you experienced persecution and maybe some betrayal? Have you experienced miracles and healing and cancellation of debt and, and, and forgiveness? Have you ex experienced all that in vain? Paul somehow says that if you begin to rely back on your own efforts, all that you've experienced could be in vain. That everything that we've walked through and all that you've believed for, and I'm just here to tell you that you've experienced God. That it's not a coincidence. It's a, a voice that he spoke to. You're in this room because of God. You're still alive because of God. You're still breathing because of God. You're still believing because of God. You're alive and I'm alive and I'm here because of God. I didn't experience all that I experienced because I did something for myself. Paul says, you've experienced God. 
My grandmother used to think that my wife changed me. My grandparents weren't believers. Remember, we'd go out to dinner with my grandparents. My grandmom all the time, she'd be like, that girl sure has changed you. No, I got saved, grandma. She's beautiful, but she can't, she can't, she can't do all that. She can't remove a heart of stone and put a heart of flesh in. I've experienced God. You experienced God. And, and I pray that you would experience God again and again and again. Paul says, this is God. He says, therefore, he who supplies the spirit, verse five, asking a question again. Therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you. Does he do it by works of the law or by hearing of faith? He's just saying the Holy Spirit's active in your life. Holy Spirit's working and healing and delivering and freeing and he's doing stuff. And, and he's saying that it's more about Jesus than it is about you. It's more about the grace gospel and what God did than it is about your ability to earn something. So he gives these subjective arguments, verse one through five. And then he shifts into some Old Testament theology uh, to give us some objective arguments, verse six and seven. He says this, just as Abraham, he brings up Abraham, he brings up the legalist guy. The legalist loved Abraham. So this is their guy. So now he's bringing up their guy. He goes, just as Abraham believed God, everybody say believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And he's slapping these guys. He's telling these legalists, like, you ain't, you ain't in the family unless you're believing. You're not in the family by law. You're not in the family by works. You're not in the family by earning it. It's for those that believe those are sons of Abraham. Verse 8, and the scripture, look at this, keyword scripture, capital S, it's personified. And you got to understand this. There was no scripture yet. This is 430 years before the law is written, 430 years before any scripture is written, 430 years before Moses penned the Bible, and Paul's calling this word scripture, capital S person, Paul's literally saying that Jesus showed up here, verse 8, and the scripture, Jesus, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. This is, this will, I'm telling you, this might see, this will set your life free. This will give you a level of joy and a level of peace that you can't imagine to walk in. The scriptures foreseeing that God would justify you and I by faith, preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying in all the nations in you, all the nations shall be blessed. Verse nine. So then listen, those that then who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. He's saying that Abraham believed and was accredited righteousness, that when Abraham believed God, it says Abraham believed God and it was accounted or accredited righteousness. It's the doctrine of imputation. Literally, when Abraham believed God before the law, before all the rules you could keep, before all that stuff, he believed God's voice and all of a sudden a lifetime account of righteousness came into him. It was imputed. And, And that imputation, when you believe God, listen to me, it says Abraham believed God. It did not say Abraham believed in God. Many of you believe in God. There's many days I believe in God, but there's many days I question everything he says. There's many days I believe in God, that he's God. He holds up the universe. He gave me breath. He gave me air. He laid out the stars. There's many days I believe in God. I look at creation and declares the glory of God, but there's many days I don't believe God. 
And, 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 and the heart of this verse is that you can believe in God. Many of the people out there believe in God, but they don't believe every word that comes out of his mouth. And the work of God is believing God. That's the hard work. That's the currency of the kingdom is faith. Some of my wife and I's biggest fights. I'm a, anybody do the Enneagram? Anybody do that stuff? I've done it. I don't love it. I, I just, it's whatever, right? God bless it. But I'm an eight. I've, so I've heard, I've been told I'm an eight. It's a challenger. A little bit of a challenger. It's like, I like a good fight, like a good challenge. My wife, she's a, she's a perfectionist. So you put a perfectionist and a challenger together, the, the grass loses when elephants wrestle. Somebody told me that one time. When elephants wrestle, the, the grass loses, right? But, but so, so I believe in my wife. I believe in her. She's amazing. I believe she can do anything. I believe in her. But some of our greatest fights are me not believing her. <laughs> She's like, why do you question everything I say? Because <laughs> I'm a challenger. <laughs> That's what you told me. I'm eight, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, so, so many of you believe in God, but he's asking you, why do you challenge everything I say? Why, why do you not believe me? Why, why, do I, why do you not believe me when I say you're healed, you're whole, you're ahead and not, not beneath, you're above and not last, that you're a victor, not a victim? Why do you not believe me when I said I'll never leave you nor forsake you, that, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, that you can live pure and holy and, and powerful? Why do you not believe me when you said I can deliver you and give you freedom and you can be free uh, and I want to set you free because of freedom, that you'll live free? Man, I, I just want to believe him. And it says that through believing him, yeah. shoo, imputation of righteousness comes into your life. Yeah. And, and, and imputed rightness with God. When Adam sinned, there were two Adams, and I'm going to wrap up. When Adam sinned, it, sinfulness was imputed to all mankind. Yeah. That's why when people say, well, they're a good person. It doesn't matter. Through Adam, through the one sin, it says sin went to all mankind. It was, a, it was a negative transfer through Adam. All of mankind got a negative transfer. That's why we needed Jesus. Jesus was called the second Adam, and so we get the second Adam who through one act of obedience, Adam's one act of sinfulness, disobedience, affected all humanity, and, and now all the humanity was imputed with sinfulness. But then the second Adam, Jesus, was, a, was an obedient Adam. And the one act of obedience, now righteousness, through believing in him, was imputed to all mankind. Amen. Through believing Jesus. There's, a, there's an, impute, it's a, an accounting term, in, imputation. It goes into your account. When I was in college, I needed some money one night, about $200, and I had $15 in my checking account. And, and, and I decided this is not wise. I was being foolish. Oh, foolish Jamie. And I don't know if ATM machines still do it, but you know how you can make deposits into them? So I took an envelope, a bank envelope, and I put a $200 IOU inside the envelope. And I deposited that into the ATM and then took out $200. I had a police officer at my door on Monday morning going, you owe us $200. And you better be glad it wasn't over 500 because that would have been a felony. I had no idea. I was, I banked there. I was going to give the money back. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Oh, and and there was a, an IOU impartation into my life with a police officer chasing me. Through Adam, there was an I.O. God impartation into your life with the law chasing you and, and you never being able to measure up. 
But when Jesus came, he said, I pay that entire debt. Come on, I cover the $200 and the rest of your life with righteousness. The Bible goes on and it, it says that those who believe are of the sons of Abraham and that you and I shall be blessed with believing Abraham, that you and I can be blessed. It's the climax of the verse. It says, so then those who are of faith, of faith, are blessed with believing Abraham. You're not blessed by believing Abraham. You're blessed by believing like Abraham believed. You're blessed. We don't believe Abraham. We believe Jesus. You're blessed believing that Abraham believed God and believed the gospel, and you believed the gospel and believed God for the promises just like Abraham did. And the covenant with God and Abraham was dependent only on God. The covenant between you and God is dependent upon God, and it's in Jesus. And that you're literally blessed in this world to be a blessing through believing like Abraham believed. Abraham believed God for a son. All of the blessing hinged on one baby boy, a son named Isaac. He said, God, I don't have any kids. I'm going to give you a son. And you're going to be blessed to bless the nations. And Abraham messed it up. Y'all know the story. He went out and slept with his wife's maid. Her name was Hagar. Did it in his own strength. Did it in his own flesh. Tried to make the promise come to pass in his own ability. Come on. Anybody ever been doing that? I've done it. Trying to make things happen. Trying to do it my own way. Trying to cut corners. Trying to wait. But God, I've been waiting for so long and nothing's happened. I'm just going to go ahead and, and do it myself. And God's like, I didn't tell you to do that yet. And Abraham did that. The Bible says that they got a son that wasn't of faith named Ishmael. Thank you. <laughs> I lost it. Thank you. <laughs> Name Ishmael. But, but God blessed Abraham still for believing him that he would give him a promise and he got the promised Isaac. And so what my question to you today as I close up and we move into water baptism is this. Maybe you've messed up. Maybe you feel like, God, I question everything you say. God, I, I have trouble believing that you're not coming down here to get me. God, I've been believing for this for this many years and it hasn't happened yet. God, I messed up and it's too late. I regret it, but I know I'll never get that again. Can I tell you that Abraham still believed for Isaac and he got his promise from God? And there's Isaacs that you need to believe for today. There's things in your life. I don't know what you need to believe God again for. I don't know what, you, what Isaac or what promise or what business or what child or what marriage or what relationship or what pattern of thinking or what freedom you need. But I'm here to tell you that no matter what you've done, you can still believe God for the Isaac that you've been believing for. Because ultimately, the Isaac is Jesus. Ultimately, you can believe Jesus today. And he can fill your life with an endless supply of grace and mercy. And he's the answer to every question that you could ever ask and every problem you could ever face. It seems too simple. It seems too good to be true. But it's the truth. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. Celebrate Jesus today. I want to pray with you. And I believe that God is restoring some promises to you. I believe some of you maybe have questioned God. Maybe you've believed in God but not believed God. Maybe God said something to you several years ago and you just quit believing for it. Maybe he said something to you yesterday and you find it hard to believe. I don't know. But Abraham believed God. I want you to believe God today. Jesus is the answer to our sin, our shame, our brokenness. He's the gospel that was preached to Abraham beforehand. We're sons and daughters of faith through believing. There's a chair in heaven that we get to approach and pray to and ask Jesus for grace and mercy.
Redemption has rest in it today for you. We're going to move into a water baptism moment, but before we do that, I want to pray for you. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, pastor, I need to believe for a promise. Maybe you're here and you need to believe Jesus for salvation. Maybe you need a fresh start with God today. The Bible says simply this, that if you give your life to Jesus, you get a fresh start in God. He pays for your debts. He pays all the IOUs. He chases off the police that are chasing you. Come on, he, he, when heaven, when you give your life to Jesus, heaven sees you as if you lived the perfect, sinless, spotless life that he lived on earth. And then it treats Jesus like, it, like he lived your destructive, sinful, broken life on earth. That's what it did. If you just say, Jesus, take my brokenness, take my life, you get a fresh start in God. Heads bowed and eyes closed today. Father, thank you for, for giving us your son, Jesus. Thank you that even though we messed up every day or we, we mess up, we focus and obsess that you never messed up. Lord, we, we can't let you down because we weren't holding you up. Lord, we look to you today and we believe you, not just in you, we believe you. We believe your message. We believe your word. Lord, we want to grow and mature by faith, by obsessing over you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Lord, we always say how much we love you. It's your love that never runs out. It's your love that never dries up. Our love grows cold, Lord. We obsess over your love. Thank you for loving us, knowing us, seeing us, caring about us, telling us we matter. Oh God, I pray for someone today to believe you. If you're in this room, no one looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you, but maybe there's an Isaac that you need to believe for again. Would you just put your hand up to me? Pastor, pray for me. I've got a promise that I've kind of quit believing. Hold it up high. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your honesty. Come on. I'm believing for this Isaac. God promised it and I haven't seen it, but I'm going to keep believing today. I'm going to believe God again. I'm going to believe God again today. Maybe you're in here and you've never given your life to Jesus and you need a fresh start with God. Maybe you're online and you're watching and today's the day to say, you know what, Jesus, I surrender. Be my Lord and be my Savior. If that's you, no one looking around in a second, just I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up to me. Pastor, pray for me. I need a fresh start with God. I need to believe in God for the first time. And Jesus to be my leader and my Lord. Would you put your hand up to me right now? I need a fresh start with God today. I need to be right with God. If you're online, would you put your heart up to us there? Just type in, I need a fresh start with Jesus. No one looking around church, just pray with me. If you're online, just pray with me right now. No magic in the words. It's just a prayer of surrender. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you did all of the living and all of the perfect giving that we could never do. You gave your life on a tree. You were crucified and you rose from the dead. We believe that you are God. And with all the things we're facing, we believe you can put your Holy Spirit in us. Fill us with your spirit now and empower us to serve you the rest of our life. In Jesus' matchless name. Amen. 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 Come on, let's give God praise this morning. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.